Welcome to The Ether. Today is Sunday, March 20th, 2022. This episode of The Ether is brought to you by WeFund. WeFund is a community crowdfunding cross-chain incubator on Terra, and it's the first launchpad that implements a milestone funding release system to protect investors. All money raised for projects is deposited in Anchor Protocol, and it's refundable, and all decisions are based on community voting power. WeFund is community-focused and designed to be a user-friendly experience for both project creators and investors. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the Telegram for more information. Links are in the show notes and check them out online at wefund.app. This episode of the Ether is also brought to you by Glow Yield. Glow Yield is the ecosystem of Terra decentralized apps like Lotto and Creators, all powered by DeFi Yields. Glow Creators helps artists and influencers give their fans exclusive perks through membership NFTs and more. Glow Lotto is a prize link savings account with a weekly chance to win the big jackpot. Tickets are free and perpetual, which means there's zero chance to lose money. Be sure to follow Glow Yield on Twitter and join the Discord community to stay up to date with all the glowing projects and check them out online at glowyield.com. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. Today on the Ether, part two of a two-part IBC gang space with Cosmos Haas, learning about three IBC projects, VDL, O-Ray, and Shade. Let's take a listen. I'm glad you stopped by. He was on a show last night and he brought up Secret. And I told him, well, <laughs> you better you need to stop by my shows on Sunday because somewhat has turned into a secret show. So and I told him, <laughs> you're, so I'm glad I'm glad he stopped by because he had some questions last night that were pretty good. And I figured he could add some value. Uh, train ticket. You've had your hand up for quite a while. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, good evening, everyone. Or good afternoon, wherever you are. Um, I just had a question and I just want to preface it by saying it's not meant to be in any way kind of a divisive question or designed to catch anybody off guard or anything like that. I mean it in the spirit of just clarification for my own curiosity. Um, I'm just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the um, initial investments in Secret and Shade and Silk in terms of who's backing it because given that it's a bad currency and given what currency is going through in the current geopolitical environment alongside what's happening in the stock market, I'm just interested to know whether or not I'm very, I'm very conscious of the potential for institutional funds to move into crypto. And I'm concerned about that in relation to Solana, um, which is why I don't use it. And I just think that it's got potential for, uh, to be a kind of a backdoor in for institutional investors. Um, obviously, I'd preface it as well by saying, you know, I've got a background in GameStop investing, so I'm very conscious of the damage that can be wrought by movement of funds in and out of different markets and hiding of puts and calls um, 
you know, their exchanges and stuff like that. So I'm just wondering if you could uh, shed a little light on the backing because uh, alongside that I've heard rumors and I don't want to give voice to what they were because I don't want to spread FUD unnecessarily. But um, I just wondered if you could clarify that for me and or just let me know if I'm way off base. No, I mean, I, th- I think it's it's a fair question. And ultimately, decentralization is intimately tied to security, right? And so any question around decentralization is more than fair game. It, sh- it should always be asked. So I'll split this answer into two components. The first component is who are like the early investors into these ecosystems, right? And the second component is for Shape Protocol is the peg stability, right? Because those those two things are somewhat closely tied together. So on the on the Shape Protocol side of things, you can look up the tokenomics uh, post for Shape Protocol. And there was 7.75% of supply that was private sailed to 25 plus entities. I believe all of them are listed on that blog post. So feel free to look at those. Um, in our case, we, at least, the, at least the Shape Protocol team, did not come from crypto wealthy backgrounds where like a complete fair drop out of the gates was was on the table like in order to get people to quit the quit the day jobs make the jump there had to be some sort of capital raise if we could have done it without a private raise i would have loved to be able to do that and so i think it's important to speak like openly and honestly about the constraints that drive those types of decisions but i will say that there was 12.5 million dollars worth of interest and we said no to 7.5 million of that interest and we also said no to VCs trying to push us to have that number be closer to 15%, right? So we, we at least stood our ground on, all right, 7.75%, and we're only doing a $5 million raise. We don't need any more than that. That's what it takes to get the, the 15 to 20 people and, and truly, truly go after this thing. And it also meant we said no to a lot of people that wanted very big tickets and were very selective about people in terms of ethos alignment and in terms of their like historical background as investors. So that's as blunt as I can I can speak about the whole situation of like raising private funds, right? Okay. So I'll now I'll now shift to like the peg stability component of decentralization. So Silk is ultimately backed by the amount of capital that sustainably and consistently arbitrages disparities in Silk's target peg from the secondary market, right? So Terra, Terra UST right now, there is an insane amount of competition by institutions, no different than the world of Wall Street, where everyone's trying to snipe and pull in as much hard profits as possible. Now, this creates an interesting conundrum because, as you're probably aware of, institutions always are going to win, right, versus like the small player when it comes to arbitrage. It's not, it's not even remotely a fair fight. And so one of the... I think, how shall I say this? One of the hidden enemies right now of decentralized stablecoins is no one is talking about how centralized the arbitrage and stability mechanism is, right? Like it's, it's, it's very much tied to a lot of institutional capital that are earning an immense amount of wealth being the ones that are first to, to you know, stabilize any peg disparities. But they're serving important function. They're stabilizing, right? But for me and, and Satara, when we thought about this, that wasn't enough for us because I'm a firm believer that we need our decentralized communities to be able to consistently participate in backing the peg. And we need to do it in a way that beats institutions, but that's like an impossible problem. But 
We came up with a solution for this. That's the exciting part. This is Web3. We can be creative and we actually can beat institutions at a game. So how did we do it? So the question is, how does an on-chain community with a smart contract beat off-chain arbitrage in a game of speed? The answer is, you can't. It's impossible. So we reframe the question. What if we could give our decentralized community access to profitability ranges consistently that institutions don't have access to? And that, my friend, is what shade staking is. Your shade staking collateral when you stake the shade gets deposited into an arbitrage contract that doesn't suffer from any conversion minting fees or from DEX trading fees. And so institutions don't have access to that. Like as in like the whole decentralized community of shade holders, their collateral is arbing and helping maintain the peg in a way that no institution can compete with because that contract is permissioned in relation to what it does for the protocol. So it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful shift. We're not trying to beat institutions at speed. We're instead have access to profitability ranges that no one else does. And so that was our solution to sustainably helping participate and maintain the peg as a decentralized community. Now, there's a trade-off to this. The trade-off is that we've essentially given shade staking collateral a decentralized monopoly on helping maintain the peg. And that's actually not healthy because you also need those institutional players or retail art players to also help maintain Silk's peg. And so we have a parameter that dictates how active that shade staking arbitrage bot is in a way that we still have an arbitrage community separate from just shade staking. We don't just want staking collateral being the sole entity helping maintain the peg. So hopefully train ticket, my friend, that helps elaborate on how we're solving the problem of centralized institutions having too much sway over an economic system as important as a stable coin like stability. Thank, that's a really comprehensive answer. Thank you, I really appreciate the, the explanation. Um, it's yeah. Thank you. I, I don't suppose I know I don't want to take up too much time. I just wondered if you could briefly touch on any. I suppose I've heard of of secret in relation to, um, in relation to Enigma, and I'm wondering is there still a connection? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I th I think I know where you're going with this. One other thing I want to touch on before I answer that question is the airdrop was fourteen point five percent of supply out to the community. I think that was one one more thing I should should toss out there just in terms of okay. decentralization supply, worthy of mentioning. Now, shifting to the topic of Enigma and supply distributions. Once again, happy to be completely frank because I believe honesty and transparency, like these are very important in things wherever you go. So Enigma used to be a layer two Ethereum solution um, that was solving for privacy. Problem was that Ethereum doesn't scale very well and the privacy tech was very early. So it ended up becoming its own layer one blockchain known as Secret Network. And the Enigma team migrated onto Secret Network and the current state of supply, because I'm assuming that's where your, your mind is wandering to is, to my knowledge from what I've been told, the core team holds approximately 25% of supply, which is pretty significant. I agree but also that capital is very much being used to help grow the grow the protocol, the developer community, et cetera. So feel free to hit me with any questions. I actually work for the, uh, for the Secret Foundation. So 
I know all the entities, know all the developers, and happy is, to answer any question. Don't don't be afraid to ask hard questions. Let's put it that way. Is is Steve Cohen involved? Steve, I don't recognize that game name to be honest. Uh, uh, he of Point Seventy Two Fund. I know I, he's involved in various projects in the Web Three. I just wondered if he, if his his he's an investor, like he's a billionaire. I'm just wondering if he's an investor or not. Gotcha. I don't have knowledge. It's possible. Well, I don't have specific knowledge attached to that name. And I, I 100% would tell you if I did. Let's put it I understand. Way. No, look, you've been more than frank and really um, gracious in your response. So I really appreciate you taking the questions at face value and, and um, working through the response with me. Thank you. Yeah, 100%. Have a good one. If you have any questions, feel free to ping me like in Twitter DM. Well, probably Telegram. I'm probably reinstalling Twitter after that. I'm trying I'm trying to stay off crypto Twitter and just be focused on building. So be sure to join the Shape Protocol Discord and community and feel free to message me. No worries. Thanks so much, mate. I feel honored that you uninstall you reinstalled Twitter just for today and then you're gonna uninstall it. <laughs> honestly. I mean it's it's like touching to me, honestly. <laughs> but um Red Eye, you had a question? No, it was it wasn't a question. It was more just a statement of where someone could find educational links, um, specifically talking about uh, the silk currency basket. Um, I forget which speaker was asking earlier about uh, some more details on the composition um, there, but the House of Shade did a um, did a podcast episode with the the core silk peg research team, um, and they they went really in depth in describing. Uh, the logic behind the development of the basket and why they composed it the way they did. So that would be a really good episode for anyone to check out if uh, you're interested in how the um, the silk currency basket uh, is composed. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend. Highly recommend that episode. I I think the the Peg Research Team is one of the coolest decentralization things I've ever seen because it 100% community members we had never met before came together, started the research group, and the finalized peg weights that we're using for V1 was from those researchers. So like totally, totally unplanned. Like we set out with a vision. We want Silk to be this decentralized stable coin. We don't want it to just be pegged to the dollar. We want it to be the most stable currency that's ever been digitally created. And the community just stepped in and like did the research. And it's it's so freaking cool to know that we have people from around the world that understand that if we can pull off a privacy preserving stablecoin that protects your sovereignty, protects your digital rights, and is more stable than any sort of hyperinflationary sovereign currency. If we can pull off that dream, something like Silk could be the fundamental foundation of Web3 DeFi. I don't think dollar stablecoins are going to be the foundation of Web3 DeFi in 10 years. I don't think it will. It's probably pretty bold to say that, but I, I truly have conviction on that. So, yeah, and likewise, I had conviction ever since I found out about you and and what you guys had going on, and I've been, you know, just enamored with with Shade Protocol since day one. And I went down the rabbit hole, and I've always like, you know, first with IBC was osmosis for me, and then secret network was number two because i value privacy beyond anything else i mean it just it's just our right to be private it, you know i i don't know a lot of people in here realize but you know i see in the future where maybe i meet up with a, a friend that i haven't seen in 20 plus years and we go to a ball game and i want to buy him a hot dog and beer who knows it might be 50 dollars or 100 dollars by then but i could just use silk and and buy that to you know purchase that for him 
and then he doesn't know everything about me. The way it's currently constructed, it's flawed. Where if I wanted to buy, you know, that that beer and that hot dog for a hundred dollars in, in ten years from now, then he could track me on, you know, the block blockchain and say, oh, well, Hoss is worth this much. And anytime he ever sees me in the future, he just expects, you know, me to purchase everything or buy him everything and all this other type of stuff. I don't think it's really anyone's, uh, you know, anyone's right to know what any of us do with or how much we're worth and and what all our transactions and all that. So that's why I've always been really big or a bullish on secret. And another thing that no one ever really talks about besides the secret community is like governance and proof of stake is so flawed. And when there's like any sort of controversial prop up there, you have people out there with pitchforks. This validator voted this way, you know, undelegate and and it's during the prop so like the prop won't even be over yet and then it's just like really ugly american politics for the most part you know to me it it, it symbolizes well you voted for trump you're a racist you voted for biden you're so you know like it, no like it shouldn't how it shouldn't be like that we should have you know privacy by default pr- uh governance and then maybe afterwards after the vote is over perhaps just the validators information of how they voted gets released. Cause they're kind of like, to me, they're, they are like a politician in a way. So you should be able to maybe find that out. So I don't know if you wanted to touch upon any of those points and, and let the people know about, you know, secret on that. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's so, it's such an interesting point that you bring up, especially with, with, with prop 18, like on the, on the heels of that. And I, I know validators that were, afraid to vote a certain way because of the the ramifications they were afraid to potentially talk about the the pros and cons of voting one way because they were afraid about the you know ramifications um like financially on them for for that decision so i i think in the long term at some point there's going to be some sort of differentiation between securing the protocol and governing the protocol i'm not entirely sure what that split will look like i just think it's there's there's like there's a line there's incentives going in opposite directions because validators node running revenue is so precious to them right like that's their business sustainability model but then a governance vote could impact their sustainability so it's like web3 and and proof of stake it's like a really messy mix and i think we have a long ways to go on governance And and think about human history think about how much evolution current political systems and voting systems have, have taken, right? These are thousands of years worth of, of work. And Web3 is lucky enough that we get to come in on a tail end and try to digitize these systems and make them even better. But TLDR, privacy is very important to voting. And also we are still very, very, very early stage for governance systems as it pertains to blockchain. Anyone that's like satisfied with the current state of governance architecture is probably a benefactor of it. Like, cause I think anyone that can just zoom out and see like, Hey, there's something, there's something messed up with this. Like there's, there's, this is, there's gotta be a better way. So at least on the shade protocol side, um, we're trying to split governance into really three, three different components. You have your baseline token holders, you have representatives that can be delegated to that vote for you, but they have no financial monetary incentive. They're just public servants that people can stake to. They're not earning passive revenue by having stuff staked with them or anything like that. They're purely voting within the system. Um, There's elections tied to these representatives. We also have something called branches, which is essentially 
multi-sigs that people get voted into and out of that have very specific control on a day-to-day basis of certain components of shape protocol primitives and uh, financial you know, components. We also have something called sanity checks. So like, let's say a branch decides to issue a bond to the community. We want to give them the flexibility to grow the DAO, but we also want to do it in a way where the community are ultimately the ones that get a say in what's happening. So if a, if a branch issued a, a bond, um, there would be something called a sanity check that happens, which is essentially a super low quorum vote that has to occur on chain for that action to be taken. You'll see a lot of other DAOs, they'll just like, here's our policy update. Like we did this. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like where is like the baseline accountability to underlying, underlying token holders? So read the white paper on governance. I could talk about it for a very long time. Privacy is needed. We have a long ways to go on governance systems. Governance is end game and it will always continue to evolve. All right. Yeah, I could, I'd, all three of you, uh, the teams that came by today are very passionate and it just resonates with me. I just absolutely I'm a very passionate person myself. So I can just tell you, you know, what you, what you say is what you mean and you it's in your core. So I uh, appreciate that. And then Bridget, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. And uh, first, I got to echo you, Carter. Your enthusiasm is infectious. Um I kind of, I guess this goes back to everything we're talking about with the basket and the governance. Um, You mentioned that the weighting can change and it probably should. So it sort of reminds me about the Dixie basket or DXY with Bitcoin and gold in it. How will governance or will governance play a role in deciding how that basket changes to kind of suit current macroeconomic? It's a loaded question. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I guess the, the role of governance in managing the basket. Definitely. So the way I see it is the DAO slash treasury has a lot of assets on it, right? Those assets need to be used in order to efficiently incentivize the growth of the protocol. And within that means there needs to be a research team that's purely dedicated to evolving the silk um, weights and the, and the peg composition itself. So there's literally a branch of governance devoted for Silk. And there'll be, you know, five plus branches of governance. Um, Decentralized token holders can create new branches. They can delete branches, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so what that Silk research team would do as a branch is they would propose to the community um, options for like how we want to migrate. They would consistently be posting reports on how macro environments are changing, how that impact Silk's peg, do we want to make a long-term change as a community to the composition? So as a fundamental principle though, baseline token holders should be able to create any proposal to make like any change as a collective community. Um, like that's kind of like the, the default state we have to have to take because that's what cons- that is what consensus is fundamentally. But long story short, there's a branch devoted to Silk and baseline token holders will be participating in ratifying, updating and, and changing the peg over time. So. Uh, I guess just in follow-up to that, how does the research team go about educating the community? So, um, you know, those individuals sound very knowledgeable or maybe, and just the same way with developers, we tend to understand the tech at a different level. How will the new information, the changes and everything be, I suppose, conveyed to the community so they can make informed or more informed decisions? Yep, 100%. I think the first thing is we need to have a website purely devoted to the research 
and to like the PEG's performance historically, as well as like moving forward into the future. So I think the communication is just like you need a you need a repository that is friendly for anyone to enter into. Look at the past, look at projections into the future, and be able to observe um, like all of the logic behind the current set of decisions. And that that ultimately takes an immense amount of effort and conviction, uh, like from leadership within the protocol, to make sure that that type of um, experience and education is in place. So at this point, it doesn't exist. A lot of it is just sitting on Discord, sitting on calls that happen between the researchers. But we need to aspire for more. We need to aspire to have a user experience where anyone can come in, learn about Silk's Peg, and like believe in it. Be like, this is this is amazing and be able to propose changes to it, right? So I'm with you. A lot of work to be done. Sounds fabulous. Go ahead, Woke. You have your hand up again? Yeah, um, I think Red Eye, he said something about, uh, they talked about, he said something about a podcast and they, something, he said something to the guy that asked about the currencies backing the peg. And I, I just missed it. I, I, somebody called me at that time. Um, was there a resource? If you could maybe just DM me so it, uh, what that resource was you were talking about. Um, I'd love to take a look at it. Yeah, Red Eye, you could, you could do that. They have a show. It's called House of Shade. That it's specifically for Shade Protocol. And I've had the the guys have come by on our show and talked about it, and they're always welcome to do so as well. I don't know, Red Eye, are you a part of that? Uh, I didn't catch the last part of what you said, but I can definitely DM you the details of the podcast. Um, like you said, we're we're focusing on trying to be a community oriented educational hub for Shade Protocol being able to provide information on uh, developments on all the different aspects. So the first one we did was with Carter talking about uh, tokenomics whenever that came out. The second one we did was talking with the the core uh, research team for the Silk Peg. And we actually have one dropping tomorrow talking uh, about smart contract development on Shade Protocol. Oh, right on. Yeah, that's what I, I just caught you talking about the... Uh... Yeah, I'll I'll find the podcast because that you were telling me about the second one, and that's when I got a phone call and I missed the whole thing. So I'll definitely check that out. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, it's called the uh, the House of Shade. Yeah, it's good stuff. I would definitely follow them and, and listen in. They, they do a wonderful job. And hey, definitely follow. Uh, be sure to subscribe to Shade Protocol on YouTube because, like I said, March twenty fifth roundtable. All the developers, all the alpha that's been kind of building up the last month is going to be talked about there openly on a call for everyone everyone to see so super pumped about that and uh if you want to see kind of if you're trying to play catch up on shape protocols history and like all the content that walks through like um at least a lot of the logic from satara and myself i would look up secure secrets on youtube and um, that's one of the core development teams and you'll see i think i have like six plus videos there where i talk about kind of the the brand the environment um the legislative and legal landscape that Silk fits into talks about synthetic assets. Like I essentially, I walk through all of the the mechanics of the protocol. So that's another great resource to check out too. Yeah, they're very good. I watch them all. They're very good. And then Tyree, do you have something to add? Yeah. So I I just wanted to say real quick that I really that what you were just talking about about you know how the DAO is organized and you know it being a lot of DAOs being kind of this weighted well-oriented, you know, flat organization, and then kind of turning into a hierarchical, you know, organization for, for DAO voting and then branching it off of that, that really resonates a lot with me. And I'm, I'm super stoked to hear that you guys 
are are doing that and and you know if there's you know anything that we can help on on uh, from the ori chain side we'd love to you know have some conversations because i um i definitely see a lot of a lot of awesome stuff that you guys are working on we also have been talking about you know commodity backed assets recently and and being able to provide secure oracles for for those assets those synth assets and then you know um in the governance zone, you know, talking about, you know, how we can securely and privately use um, AI um, oracles for, for biometrics to, to kind of like change a little bit. If, if, if a developer wants, you know, having it not all be about, you know, how many tokens you hold, you know, some votes should be kind of a one vote, one person kind of situation and giving the flexibility there. So, you know, our identity and biometric um oracles uh, you know as we're developing those more that could be an interesting thing to stay in touch with as well um so yeah i really appreciate hearing about you guys today and you know and definitely would love to i'm gonna come and hopefully be you know a listener of the the house of shade and and keep up to date because i i'm learning about you for the first time today and i'm very very excited with what you guys are have going on Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the enthusiasm and, and support and would love to connect with you. So I think the best bet would be if you just want to connect with me like on LinkedIn, Carter Wetzel, or join the community and just ping me in the Telegram or Discord, we can set up some sort of follow-up call if you want to explore any sort of BD opportunities or future collaboration. And specifically on the governance side of things, I think it should be the one vertical within Web3 that everyone without a competitive mindset should be able to like work together on because governance just means that as a community, you're able to more efficiently Kobe like organize and it really and, died and in a helicopter. <laughs> oh boy. That oh, being God, said. That. <laughs> That's kind of funny though. I'm not going to lie. Is that, the, is that the sound for airdrop you're, you're testing there? Also? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Airdrops are coming. <laughs> Oh, I killed Kobe. Yeah, that one. Yeah, he can go. That boy. Yeah, that one. That falls a little bit flat, buddy. Yeah, I just, I just mute. Or uh, I thought I blocked him the first time, but I don't know what happened. Maybe he didn't receive the blockage. <laughs> but guys, guys, do your thing. I apologize about that. Oh, that was that was that was that was well timed. But long story short, I think governance is the one thing we should all be unified across, no matter where you are in blockchain, because it just allows us to better organize our communities and, and achieve shared communal goals like that. It, it shouldn't be like this weird, Oh, I like I'm, I'm hiding this idea as something competitive. I don't want others to know about it. Like, no, like there should be some sort of like web three foundation. That's the nonprofit just devoted to like governance across all blockchains and like the research around it and the unification of standards and continuing to push the needle. Cause I guarantee you, there are people right now developing amazing things on the governance side of things that just other communities don't know about. Like, I don't know what's going on in governance in like Polkadot or Solana, da, 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 like the standards that are emerging out of it. And so it'd be really cool if, you know, collectively across Web3 people work together specifically on, on that vertical. Yeah, we'd love to be a part of that conversation and even bring in, you know, more people from the 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 Cosmos ecosystem to to have that conversation together. I think, you know, you guys have the right idea and very, very excited to see how, how it plays out because it, you know, it, it's very clear from what you're working on that you guys are, you're here to stay and it's a, it's a, it's going to be a great project long-term. So keep up the good work over there.
Totally. Thank you, sir. And this show's been amazing. It's kind of like I feel like I'm we're doing something big here. We got we got you know devs being able to link up, and then we also have a couple trolls today for the first time. So I think I think we're making it. We're this show's actually making it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this has been great. This is um it's been a very educational show. Usually we're just all talking about whatever, but it's been nice to kind of sit back and just listen to um you guys all i appreciate you guys stopping by and sharing a lot of knowledge and you know anyone in the show i highly recommend you guys follow everyone in here well i guess carter's deleting uh twitter after this but (laughs) (laughs) definitely do the house of shade and then i did we did put all the the links up for all the um all the projects that stopped by so you guys can stay connected with their discords and things like that as well so does anyone else have anything to add to that any questions for anyone? Again, I'm so appreciative of everyone that's been stopping by. The show's been kind of grown just like IBC has been grown. And it's been really just like heartfelt to me that, you know, everyone takes their time out, especially uh, for people that are in America on, on a Sunday evening or morning. It's it's really touching that you guys take time out because I know how it is. I mean, I we're all working all day long and then on the weekends you kind of want to just decompress, but it, it's really, it means a lot when people can come by on the weekends. Did somebody just raise their hand? Yeah. Re- um, blaze. Oh, it was me that raised my hand. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask blaze, Carter. Hey, what's the latest on the claim, the claim rate. <laughs> so see, Oh, test. Let's see here. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, the, uh, Secret nodes hopping on the call here is one of the core contributors on the infrastructure side of things. Specifically, um, during the the airdrop, we had a lot of kerpluffles with uh, throughput, and Secret nodes working with one of the core development teams, uh, Secure Secrets, was able to come up with some really interesting rate limiting on the claim process to optimize for throughput and to make sure the chain didn't um, suffer too much from it, and so. Secret Nodes has a much better concept of the claim rate than I do right now. So I, I don't no, know. No, the I don't. What's the, no, I mean, like, what's what's the total amount claimed? I don't have a better idea than you on that. Um, what's the I total think it's, I think we're close to 100,000 shade claimed from the airdrop, I think. that's when I, I think that's when I last heard about it a couple of days ago. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, the Thank goal you. is 150, right? Like, that would be the peak at this point? Yep, a 50% claim rate is really, really good in the world of of like airdrops. Although with, with cross-chain airdrops, usually that percentage is a lot worse. And I think our airdrop is is proving that so far on the claim rate side. Just like really tough to penetrate to multiple communities. So I think what people will find is multi-chain airdrops is great for like that initial interest. Um, but making sure that you follow up with those external communities that are not a part of the native L1 that you're building on is like really tough to do. And it's uh, it's like a weird line between wanting to like shill, but also just being like, hey, like this airdrop's waiting for you. And it's like, we're a great protocol. So you have to you have to be careful with with uh, the follow up on airdrops. Good insight. Go ahead, Blazin. I got a question for Corey. Mr. Corey. Yeah, what you got? Um, the swaps in the Vendelum app in the VDL. When are are IBC are any of the um IBC compatible 
Bitcoin is going to be there and are we going to be able to swap the VDL coins for other assets soon? Because it's a fire. I like it. So, you know. Yeah, good question. So, uh, yes, IBC will be supported. So we actually, after we wrapped up our intro earlier that Haas let us uh, introduce Vidulum and ourselves and so on, we actually pushed the update iOS, Android, and web uh, launching Atom and, and Osmo wallet support. So that that's now live. Anybody who checks out the Doula map will see, you know, governance access, staking, uh, of course, sending and receiving and so on, transaction history. That's that's all working excellent now for everybody to interact with. But IBC support will be, I mean, that's incredibly high on our to-do list, especially with how, how many uh, connections those two chains themselves have let alone what we'll be launching in the future so so yes yes and yes the the trading as for swaps between likely initially i think the easiest um feature to offer is is leveraging what's already working in the space right so direct access instead of a user having to go to osmosis zone uh which i personally i feel very highly uh I feel very positive towards what what Osmo and Sunny what what they're doing over there, and I think Vidulum is going to do everything they can to support them. That community, above and beyond the Cosmos community on its own, but the Osmo community has been incredibly supportive of Vidulum, our transition into the Cosmos, and so our goal is to uh, help leverage their working decks and provide access to our user base and their users directly through the app. So you'll be able to do your swaps in app without leaving our service, but still on the Osmo blockchain, just like you do now when you go to their zone. So, but that's not available yet. It's coming, uh, you know, development for Vidulum. You know, I I look up to people like Carter a lot. I I just listened to him talk for the last, you know, half hour and and very inspiring, knowledgeable. You can tell um, he he knows what he's doing and and is, is leveraging some, some intelligence, economics, and awesome team there working together and funding. That's that's a big thing that Vidulum, we started out much smaller, you know, very small team working around the clock outside of our day jobs when we do have time and and staying motivated by our community and, and you know, the support that they constantly are, are feeding into us as we build. Our goal is to have a lot more time, have more developers uh, a gentleman named Zach has joined our team of recent, and and he's incredible. He's bringing a a higher level or more institutional approach to our development as as we continue to grow. So yes, it's coming. You know that's the short answer to your to your questions and comment. It, it's all coming as we can develop and and as funding comes in to make it happen. Thank you for the question, though. Appreciate it. Second question. The UI, is it going to be revamped like in the future? Mm, Bridget, are you around? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Is, is there a specific aspect of the front end that you feel could be revamped? Because before you answer that, like Corey and I believe very firmly in continuous improvement. So uh, just in this re- release, we have refactored the entire proof of stake page to function uh, faster and provide the right information that you need in order to participate in consensus. So it's not 
something where we build it once and we're done. Continuous improvement is sort of inbuilt into the idea of delivering a, a strong UI and a strong UX. All right. I'm just asking because I'm like osmosis and I like IPC heavy, but I do try other stuff out and I do, when I get something, sure. I do use it and test it. And I've been using VDL for a minute now since it released and I, I like it. UI and everything is straight. It's smooth. I like it. Especially when it, when it rains, though. Especially when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, is that's the the tip bot and having it go directly into wallets you know um adam and osmo are coming to the tip bot here in the next probably 48 hours at the most so you'll see rains um you know in those tokens as well as we celebrate and and grow our space so the um the compliments on the app are huge they you know it makes it worth it, it really does this is a, it's a lot of time every almost everybody here if they don't if they're not putting that time in themselves in development uh, or donations or, you know, retweets or, or you know, feedback about what they do like, what they don't like, I, one way or another, I think almost every single person that's in this space is contributing in their own way. And, and it, that's what makes it worth it, right? Like we all have our own way to contribute and, and, and that's why we show up every single day every moment we've got to put into this to, to build it better. So the feedback helps a lot. Thank you. You know, we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing and, and building and, and uh, expose Vidulum to the masses in the best way possible and try and make connections uh, with folks like Carter, like Haas, you know, hosting this and, and uh, Tyree. Th this is good stuff to be able to learn and, and grow those, those connections. So if, if anybody's going to be at consensus uh, 2022, in Austin, uh, reach out to me on Twitter. We'll, we'll have to get together for a meal. I'd love to meet. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, that's awesome. When is the, the when, is, yeah, say, when is that? Yeah, go ahead. My bad. No, no, no. I was actually, I was actually curious when the, when the, when the Cosmos conference is going to happen out here, because at this point, the ecos ecosystem's growing enough. I know that there was that, um, the community conference or whatnot that happened in, um, in um in portugal last year but uh, any any rumors about the a good time for all yeah. of us in the cosmos ecosystem to get together so the next cosmos verse should be the very end of um july beginning of august that's what they're the time frame it's not it's not final as yet but i talked to crypto cito i don't know uh, the us and the uh, rest of the cosmos spaces guys but you spoke to him on a call i want to say thursday or wednesday or thursday night and he's back there now that's where he's living at but it's going to be towards the end of july beginning of august i think he said so that's kind of the time frame on that and i'm looking forward to all that for sure location do we have a location ballpark yeah medellin colombia oh, beautiful okay yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, we're gonna try to do our thing to get out there. I know I'm. I'm going out regardless. I just want to go. I, I felt, I I hated watching it on on um, YouTube last year. I wanted to be there. So this year, I'm really gonna try to go. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to that. But I have a question for Carter. Someone in the uh, community just DM me. He said, "Ask Carter about his book." So what, what's going on with your book? Sure. Yeah, I mean. I don't, I don't like plugging my book very often. I like people find it, but I, I, since you asked, 
Um, there's a book out there called Building Confidence in Blockchain, Investing in Cryptocurrency and a Decentralized Future. I spent three years researching and writing it from 2017 to 2020, um, trying to bridge the ground between um, books that don't have any like investment fundamentals to the books that are like way too tech focused. I want to try to write something in the middle uh, for people to try to like understand uh, this, this crazy space from from the ground up. So that was three years of research. I also have another book in the works that I think will take probably a decade to write, but it's called uh, The Dark Side of Decentralization, Stories of Power, Greed, and Manipulation. So that's a, that's a long, that's like a, a lifelong write that I'm, I'm working on as well. So That's awesome. So you always enjoyed writing? Yes, always, always have loved um, writing. I have a, I don't have a, a writer's background. I have a computer science and finance background, but I've, I think I've always had a heart for, for educating people and writing is one of the, the best mediums to do that. So. Oh, for sure. I, I, I feel the same way. I never had any sort of writing background and I don't know what it is, but just like writing, I just do mediums about random things and just like. I guess it's kind of creating art in a way, you know, so it's, it's awesome to do that. And I'm, I'm, that's cool that you do that as well, that you didn't have any background and you just do it. Cause it's, it's a passion. It's, it's kind of like a hobby of mine when I do have time. And I'm sure whenever you do have time, you have thoughts and then you just write them down. So it's, it's really cool. Carter, I'm really excited to read that book in, um, in, uh, 2032. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely late game stuff, but it's, uh, it will, it will be a, I'm hoping if I ever exit the space, that will be the, that will be the exit. So don't write anything that'll get me assassinated though, please. <laughs> Roger that, sir. Don't, don't you worry. So what's the best way of, of obtaining your current book? Yeah. Right now the, the best bet is barn. It's on Barnes and Noble online. It's on Amazon. There's also a variety of other, smaller outlets out there i actually don't even entirely know i just know the publisher has like a bunch of different distribution websites so best best bets probably barnes and noble and amazon hopefully if you can try to find a smaller distributor than those ones but if you're, if you're going for convenience that's uh those are good options nice have we got seeking alpha are you do you have a question or something to add hey guys yes thank you so much for uh so much. doing this and for taking my question I guess my question is for Carter, um, and the question is specifically around like the Cosmos ecosystem. And you know, there's a lot of talk about that ecosystem growing and evolving over the next, you know, two to three years. So I just wanted to see how you thought about Silk in the context of that ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I think Cosmos has this vision for kind of like infinite horizontal scalability, and infinitesimally precise um, like governance and sovereignty about like how people want to be able to design layer ones um, to their to their own to their own needs so I, I think it if we look at the history of the internet and how it scaled out I feel like cosmos and the horizontal scalability narrative and like IBC and having a protocol standard for communication like all of these things are very much in lockstep with how the internet was able to you know, scale to where it is today. I look at other ecosystems outside of Cosmos, and I, I think everyone inevitably has to head to the direction of continuous abstraction layers, like further and further out, and more and more unified cross-chain standards. I think Cosmos was the one 
that is initiating a lot of it. But my gut instinct says that like, as we continue on, everyone will hop on board those standards. Because if you don't, and you're an application living on a layer one that doesn't do that, then you're missing out on being able to access other communities. Uh, you'll be missing out on that cross-chain uh, liquidity and user experience. So long story short, the user experience will only get better from here. I think Cosmos is gonna be the ones that's leading the whole Web3 space in terms of defining a lot of those standards. But I do believe all the other large L1s will hop on board um, those, those interchain standards. So Cosmos is a great place to be. It's organic, the building is real, and uh, I'm excited to see what the, the future holds. Specifically, interchain accounts. Interchain accounts are gonna be insane. Shared security is also really interesting. I know Polkadot's already done that, but Cosmos also bringing that feature opens up a lot of possibilities. So, yeah. Got it, thank you very much. Carter, on interchain security, can you touch on that? Yeah, actually, so inter interchain security is essentially this concept where we can we can spin up side chains that have really, really good throughput, but we get to borrow the, the consensus uh, mechanism of like a parent chain, right? So you don't need to be focused on having a whole system of nodes specifically for like your unique consensus, you instead can can borrow. And this allows us to better scale out individual applications um, without having any sort of like throughput conflicts with a different chain. So like an example would be, let's say I have like five DeFi applications that I wanna, I wanna work together. And like on the parent chain, the traffic attached to those five DeFi apps is conflicting, conflicting with like an NFT launch pad or something, right? Like all the other different apps that are also having transactions. You could conceiv conceivably spin up a side chain that uses the consensus of the, of the main chain and you still get the properties of that main chain that you like, but then you don't have throughput competition with those other, other applications. So that's kind of what I was talking about, that, that uh, infinite horizontal scalability, like shared security, parent chains, interoperability, like all of that is tied up into that, into that narrative. So the alternative is like what Ethereum's trying to do, which is working on the rollups and working on essentially like vertical scalability within your own tech stack as opposed to going horizontally. And I think those innovations will work, but horizontal scalability is way, way quicker. And at the point that those types of like rollups and vertical scalability are, you know, created and generated, then those horizontal, you know, the horizontal strategy can just adopt all that research and all that work. So it's, it's a big game of, of, of borrowing and sharing, but I think the horizontal scalability is the fastest path to that best user experience, which is ultimately what wins out in the long run, so. Nice. So that you that's what that's what you envision if like someone was just a very small team they're going to go that route. Yeah, I I, I think so. And actually, um, Seeker Nodes on this call is like pretty knowledgeable on like the Tendermint side of things. So I'd love to know uh, their their perspective on like shared security and where you think think that could head. Shared security is pretty interesting, actually. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely a fan of the fact that Cosmos started off with a more sovereign approach per chain. But um, there's plenty of applications that I think, so like there, there's plenty of communities and applications that don't really, for whatever reason, really uh, have the time or the 
the like team capacity, let's say, to bootstrap like uh, their own security. That's it takes a lot of effort and coordination over a long period of time. So I think it's just going to make a lot of projects go faster that really don't need to maintain their own uh, security. Really, um, like applications specifically. Really, that's a that's just a really big one. And then also like tightly coupled. Uh, ideas that are tightly coupled with the security of like a main chain it makes perfect sense that that they would take a route like this uh so i'm pretty excited as well nice yeah and that's like the big thing with adam right now um i i don't want to pretend i know the most about shared security but i know that's what they're going for that's like they're going to be their niche so everyone keeps looking forward to it do you happen to know when eta on when you think that's going to happen yeah i think tendermint has said goal is sometime in the next year like maybe right after end of year secret nodes do do you know yeah i'm hearing end of year is uh is what i'm hearing as well but we'll we'll see yeah knowing blockchain if you hear a target date just like well especially for that level of tech just slap on an extra three months in my opinion but oh, yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> i was surprised that sunny uh, it was it was amazing that he shot for the end of Feb, basically the end of February, the whole entire time for Superfluid staking, and it actually happened. Because I just know we all know how how crypto is. It's just you don't. It's like a death sentence if you just give like a firm date. Like this is going to happen by this date. It's just you never want to do that. So I, I completely understand that. Because we we had a troll in here earlier. I don't think you were in here yet, Carter. But that was kind of his his little troll moment. Was just basically saying that. Cosmos SDK just gets used and used and abused, and they don't offer anything to to I guess the tokenomics of of Adam. I I think that's what he was trying to say. We had a I don't know if you were in here or not, but we had like a troll that came in and started saying stuff about Adam. Interesting. Yeah, I mean my my faith in the Adam team is that that whole team is playing on like a multi-decade timeline like they're they're just so zoomed out and so like the value capture mechanisms that are going to come into fruition in the coming years i think they're going to be like pretty subtle and pretty small but it should it should compound over time if the vision's correct and like i'll always put my trust in the teams that you know aren't thinking on like one-year timelines they're thinking on like you know two-week timelines one-year timelines and decade-long timelines right like those, those are the teams you want to put your faith in and i and i trust the the core Adam team to do that. Trust the Cosmosm development teams to do that. Trust the the core teams at, at Juno to do that. And uh, yeah, it's it's we have we have very very forward thinkers. And if you have a chain where you're questioning like the value capture in the immediate moment, the question is like, what's your investment hor- like horizon? What's your what, what time scale are you operating under? Because if you're someone that's operating under like a, a two month time horizon, then maybe Adam's value capture isn't good enough for you. Like maybe maybe that's a fair assessment, but if you're operating under a decade long timeline, suddenly something like Adam is, is like very lucrative. So I think it just depends on risk profiles. It depends on your, your, your timeframes for, for an investment. So. I, yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I say this sometimes we'll have just like a little segment about investing strategies. And I tell them it's never financial advice, but I just think it's always foolish to stake a token purely for just an airdrop. You know, I say basically my strategy is is the the, the tokens that I firmly believe in. I'm staking, and it's never getting. You know, I can't say never, but not in some short time frame is it ever going to get unstaked. So, 
Yeah, I don't think you should just want to stake Adam and then hope for all these airdrops. Yeah, you're going to get some of them, but I I think a lot of people don't factor that into when, when you just purely stake Adam. They may just look at the price point and say hey, it's worth this much, but realistically, all the exposure you're getting to the rest of the ecosystem is invaluable. And um, yeah, I, I firmly believe in Adam too. It's just it's, actually, it's one of my long term holds. I've actually never unbonded from a proof of stake before. Me either. Me either. Yeah. I just, I have never done it. I tell people that get in it, you know, like some people will DM me and they'll ask me certain questions. Hey, like I have this much and it's usually younger people. I could tell they're younger and they just want to make some money to pay off bills or they're in college and stuff like that. And I tell them, I, I just don't think staking is, you know, your best bet. I think if that's your situation, you should just provide liquidity, especially on osmosis and just, you know, yield farm some external incentives and osmo. And then if you're going to sell it, then sell it and do whatever you got to do. But I'm a little bit older. I'm in this for the long haul. I, I mean, every once in a while, I'll take a little bit off the top. But for the most part, I'm just compounding, you know, like secret. I have a nice bag. It's not, I'm never hitting on, it's just not, it's just going to keep getting compounded. Juno, Osmo, Adam, when I stake, I'm staking. I'm not hitting on, on bonds so, or on delegation say. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Adam is super undervalued, but I also think all the tokens are undervalued because I'm pretty much an IBC maxi. So yeah, that's, that's all I can say about quickly a little bit of investing. I can, I concur. You shouldn't, you shouldn't just look at the small horizon. I think a lot of people want to get rich quick and that's not really the that's not really what our protocol and cosmos is about. It's long-term wealth in my opinion. But does anyone have anything to add to, add to that before we wrap up the show? I got a one one invitation I'd like to make on stage. I believe we have a Patrick uh, Dunlop listening in um, who is one of the core contributors at Jackal Dow and I know they just made a very exciting announcement just just tying this back to value capture for for stakers so um patrick if if uh if you're listening in would love for you to come up on stage give the like two minute pitch on what jackal's doing talk about the uh airdrop if if we haven't already yeah please i've been trying to get these guys on for a while now so i'm excited i'm excited that they stop by i'm i'm very bullish and Patrick, if if you don't shill shill yourself, then I okay, never mind. You're you're gonna. Shill. I was gonna say I don't don't make don't make me shill your project for you because I will. Yeah, I know. I'm just <laughs> sitting here on a Sunday crushing a sandwich right now, and Carter just pulls me on stage out of the blue. Thanks, buddy. But um, yeah, no, I so I where do I start? Um, so a few months ago, I, I was kind of exploring. We were trying to build an e-discovery tool over on um the Polygon ecosystem, actually, and it we were trying to figure out where to store data, essentially, and um. The, the issue that we had there, we were trying to figure out, okay, if we store data with uh, Google or Amazon or Microsoft, then we have this fundamental issue where a third party has access to digital evidence, for example, for court. And uh, the other option was, okay, how about we use a, um, a decentralized data storage solution, such as IPFS, Filecoin, ARWeave. The issue there is that anyone can kind of query the evidence, so you don't have that security. So um, the Jackal team, it, it spun off from an idea called Keepsake, but we started building fully decentralized cloud storage that has hot storage natively. So looking to bring that speed, utility, and privacy to decentralized data storage. So um, uh, a few months goes by and uh, we just launched that. Uh, we're going to be airdropping to the following chains being Secret, Atom, and Juno as well. 
And uh, we're just really excited to to be at the stage right now. Um, I, I'm a little bit kerfuffled right now. I did not plan for this, but uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask. Yeah, I wish we had this. We had this kid earlier. I don't know if you were listening in, but we had a little a kid in here trolling. That would be the perfect time to hit the air the airdrop button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just say that, like, in order to properly bridge Web two to Web three in a meaningful way, communications and file storage are at like the heart of what it means to pull that off. Like, finance as a as a vertical is phenomenal, and that's tied to to speculation and the creation of more capital efficient systems but the importance of data privacy file storage hot storage like as it pertains to an immutable system like tied to a blockchain jackal dao is doing something that's never been done before with with tying the privacy component leveraged from secret network um to the way their you know their clusters are working and then the file storage so i think if you're anyone listening to this call like please check out jackal dao and what they're doing I think it's it's really unique innovation that's necessary. And uh, what I always like to say is the reason people in Web3 might not value privacy as much as they should is because our everyday lives haven't become intertwined enough with Web3 yet. And the day that once that day comes, projects like Jackal, projects like Shade Protocol, L1s like Secret Network, their utility becomes glaringly obvious and you can't ignore it. So. Do shout out to the Jackal Dow team. What you guys are doing is integral to Web3. Yeah, no, and just another thing, leveraging things like Silk and Shade to kind of intertwine all these different privacy-preserving decentralized applications are really important, not only just for um, the digital privacy and cybersecurity posture of an end user, but also for um, adoption for legacy companies or enterprise systems where they won't adopt Web3 unless you have that privacy variable where you're dealing with very sensitive information or um, they have privacy laws and, and different compliance issues that they have to deal with. So privacy is very, very important. And if we want to bridge what's great about decentralization, what's great about um, all the different tech stacks that we can leverage in the Web3 space and, and provide value for our everyday lives. So we, I just really, really bullish on Secret Network and also really bullish on uh, privacy postures and self-custody of data and being able to control um your online life life relating to the data as well where uh um right now all the cloud storage providers and a lot of the finance mechanisms are just black boxes to the consumer and i think it's great with open source projects like us and shade looking to do something about that yeah man i don't know if you know i mean anyone listening to this call i mean at this point in time in 2022 if you don't realize like data is the most valuable asset in the world it's, it's basically digital gold and it's just it's so valuable that i mean just look at all the big players of how they how they basically leach our our data and sell it so this is huge and i don't know if you know any analytics or not about like what kind of market is that like data storage uh can you say that you just cut out at the last second? What kind of what is data storage? I was asking like analytically, like what is the overall market niche for like data storage right now? Oh, it's absolutely huge. I heard some stat. I you don't take my word for this, but as each user on Google, it's about three thousand dollars a year worth of data. Um, data is worth more than oil right now. It's it's insane. And and the way that is leveraged and the way that data is mined and and leveraged for different use cases. 
um, is pretty insane. And that's why we, we think it's really important for people to be self-custodial of their data. And if you want to sell your data, it's your choice, not a third party's choice. Nice. So tidbitting off of that, what is your main um, focus of value? I know what you guys are offering, but are you just going to go after, I guess, commercial? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So when it comes to Jackal, we, we kind of have two, we make money by selling unique terabytes. And uh, we're 80% cheaper right now uh, at our current economic model. So that's like about $4 a month per terabyte, which is kind of 80% cheaper than legacy systems. But um, for let, let's say for a, a B2B use case, um, a, a great and an MVP that we're working with the MVP we have right now, uh, the use case that a lot of businesses are looking to leverage is ransomware resiliency. Since we are Kepler integrated and we have uh, multi-signature wallets through ledgers, we can have, for example, a board of, director that, uh, of directors that have multi-signature wallets controlling a root folder as like a ransomware backup, for example. And that's kind of like at MVP, we can provide a service like that where you can have really cheap ransomware backups that, that give our system read-only permissions to your entire um, root folder. And we can take snapshots however often you want to. So that's a great use case. But the, the great thing for viral growth in the B2B space is once we have their data on our system, we can actually start producing more applications for them. If you want a email service or if you want a Elasticsearch plugin, for example, we can build those out too. When you look at a B2C for Jackal, um, we just finished our incentivized alpha testing. And I wish that it was open and we're, we moved into a closed beta. But um, when uh, right now for the end user, we're looking at something like a decentralized Dropbox where you control the private keys through your Kepler wallet for all your data. And actually the Jackal team can't access your data even if we wanted to. And it, it's really like having your own personal SSD in the cloud. Um, so when it comes to that, we, we leverage two things. So we use the secret network for uh, pr uh, permissions and, and the kind of like the metadata tracks what I guess the CIDs for all the files, the location of the files and your entire file tree as well. And the importance of that is the reason why we leverage the secret network is you have that programmable privacy toggle on and off switch, which allows for not anyone in the world can just query your entire file tree on your computer, for example. It's not on your computer, but in the cloud. But um, leveraging that programmable privacy and, and the ability to be self-custodial of your data and, and still maintain that privacy at the same time from the secret network, we have an incentivized peer-to-peer -peer network in between that brings that speed, utility, and the privacy to the data storage so we can be really fast and be a great place for backends, for uh, dApps or enterprise systems. And then we leverage Filecoin as a cold storage archiving system. And the, the reason we do that is we want to offload from our peer-to-peer -peer network to a cold storage if you don't query your files for X amount of time. I'm kind of rambling here, but um, does that answer the question at all? Yeah, man, you're very passionate. And the fact that I just followed you right now and that you only have 444 followers is, is crazy to me. So anyone out there, just give him a follow because, I mean, this guy knows what he's talking about. And what your your use case is just gigantic. The The possibilities are endless. And as more and more data gets involved, uh, you know, it's just, it's a huge use case. Like I said, data is literally everything and it's just going to keep growing and growing. I mean, I don't know. I remember watching a show that they had projections. Maybe one of you guys know, but the, the, the data is just ridiculous. Like I think they, there was a crazy stat and like the, just the last year of data has, has been 
I don't even know how many percentage points that from like literally since mankind, there's been more data in like the last year than all for since humanity started. And it's just going to keep growing. And yeah, you got to store that data somewhere. And obviously I prefer it to be decentralized and private. You know, it's just, it's scary to think of all the data out there and, and just people leeching off of it. It's not, it's not fair. And then you, like you said, this is one of the reasons I love secret is, it's your choice if you want to release that data. Absolutely. And it's also just to add on that a little bit is it's also since you manage it with your private keys and you're the only person that can access it, it also gives you um, like the, the self of, of self custody as well. If you want to sell it, you can sell it, but you don't have to sell it at all if you don't want to. And it's really the only place where you can have that ease of use with like a Google Drive comparable, for example, but still maintaining that integrity and we're an open source system, so if you don't believe us, you can audit us yourself as well. Go ahead, Bridget. Not, not that I wanted to make this go for four hours, but I had a question for Patrick. Um, so how is Jackal going to avoid an issue of over-redundancy of data? So if you consider how many data points everybody has and then keeping copies of that across blockchains or the blockchain um, the Jackal runs on, is there like a strategy to make sure that... I know IPFS like does help a lot with that, but like how will uh, I guess it's a it's a scalability question. Uh, how how will Jackal manage so much data and without creating an over redundancy of it? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. I'm, I'm glad you asked. So the, the secret network is is where we have the user permissions and the, the control of the files themselves. And we can do that on a really granular level. So that's really only kind of the, um, the access control for the end user. But when it comes to um, the redundancy of data, we have our own peer-to-peer -peer network of decentralized nodes. And they're almost like our miners, where it's kind of like a proof of storage, I guess, is the way to do it. And that network is a competitive network that we made competitive on purpose through our economic model. It's also sideways scalable because we can just keep plugging in more and more storage space. And that's the, the thing and the beauty of creating the economic model around this is as we continue to scale up and we continue to provide more and more terabytes of data, the system has less latency, it gets faster, and we have more storage to provide. When it comes to redundancy, Right now, we're copying the file about 20 times on our peer-to-peer -peer network for each file. And we want that to, number one, reduce the latency, but also have a lot of backups in case anything doomsday scenario. But what we also do is when you submit a file to our, our network, we also automatically archive the file on Filecoin and IPFS as well. And what that does is, is it gives us kind of like this archiving cold storage system where we have a backup over there, but we can keep our peer-to-peer -peer network like this highway of, of information because if you don't query your data for a certain amount of time, so if you have like um, like photos from 2009 or for example, and that's just like one photo album that you have on the Jackal system. If you don't look at those photos for about three months, we're not going to keep it on the peer-to-peer -peer network. But when you query it again, our nodes will grab it from Filecoin and then jam it back on our peer-to-peer -peer network and then copy it for redundancy again. So you still have that latency redu reduced. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, it's really fascinating. It's a lot. So uh, maybe we can connect offline and talk more about it. Yeah, no, that would be great. This show's been awesome, man. It's just like, 
if I if I'm a hub for you guys, the, the developers and and community members to link up, I'm all for it, man. This is this has been great. Like I I learned so much today. It's it's like my mind. I need a mental break. How good it was. It was just some juicy info, and I'm actually going to re-listen to this like, whole whole tire, uh, re, you know, just the whole recording of this again. I'm sorry, I can't even speak right now, but I was just eating something. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to everything, man. That's that's cool, uh, Jackal. So. When I know the the snapshot is it April ninth? I think was was that what it was? April 9th for the snapshot? Yeah, the, the snapshot's April 9th, and uh, we're we're not going to be releasing our equation until after that. Um, but yes, if if you want to start delegating, I, I feel like a lot of people on this call are already delegating, so, so no one really has to worry there. But um, Seeker Network, Juno, and also Adam are the three networks we're um, airdropping to, and the the. Reductions include uh, centralized exchange validators, and uh, there's a few other parameters that you can find in the documents if you go to uh, Jackal underscore Dow on Twitter. Okay, so we're going to tweet out your um, your Discord. Is that the best source of getting involved with the community? Yeah, 100 percent is Discord. Our Telegram community is growing, but it's still not there yet. Uh, we, we've been building in stealth mode uh, for a little bit, but where we just I, I guess as soon as we launch the airdrop, there there goes that. Yeah, Telegram's a good spot too. I, I, I honestly, I prefer Telegram. I think for communication, but as in just like a community base, getting involved within the community, I think that Discord's the right way to go internally. One hundred percent. And if you want to kind of like get up to speed, and it's, a, it's a, our systems will have pretty big mouthful. You, the Notion's the best place for all the information there. Okay, great. I, I mean, I've been a part of your Discord for a while, and I'm glad. I'm not sure where you're. Lo- where are you located at? Um. So, uh, so, so we're we're decentralized. So we have a team members all over the place. But um, the the two founders, myself, and I think Marson's now. He's in, he's in this room as well. Um, we're both from Canada, and we come from a digital forensics background, and that's right. kind of how we got here. Yeah, because I've been trying to link up with you guys for probably a couple weeks now. Once uh, to get you guys on here, because I know what you guys have going on is is really. Uh, it's amazing it's a good product and it's going to be essential and i i mean i'm just i i love secret to my core and i just believe in privacy and what carter you know said earlier about people don't realize that that it is required i guess they're so used to being with web 2 and uh just the data out there and it's just amazing how people just don't care about their data (laughs) i personally do i don't i don't use google for anything i don't i don't do google search engine I, I don't I don't have any of that. So, you know, I'm, I don't get why people, you know, they go on a website and then and every single thing you've ever searched is coming up and, you know, on Amazon and all that. I don't like that. But maybe some people prefer that. I don't use Facebook. I don't do pretty much any web. This is the only Web 2 source I think I use is is um, is Twitter. That's just a good way of getting out there. But yeah. Well, and the great thing about Jackal for your data is at the end of the day, it's about choice. And if you want to sell your data, you don't sell your data. We don't have a marketplace for it. But if you wanted to sell it, you could sell it. Um, if you don't want to sell your data, don't sell your data. It's about having that choice and putting the control back in the user's hands. And that's kind of like the core principles that we're, we follow. Just to say real quick, you know, uh, you just said you, you guys don't have a, a marketplace for your data. Or I, Chang, would definitely love to collaborate. I'm dropping you a DM right now, but love to collaborate with you guys on giving people the option of monetizing that data through our data hub. So it could be a 
it could be a good opportunity. And, and I mean, what you guys are working on is like the literally the pivotal backbone of, of what, what web three will demand in order for it to be decentralized and, and not be owned by those VCs and not be owned by the corporation. Yeah. So, break up. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know if that was okay. No. Yeah. We've been having this air. Luckily, knock on wood, this whole show, we haven't had that happen until right now. Like last night's show, we were done with that all the whole time. But I, I wish I could hear, I understand that question. I'm not quite sure exactly what he was saying, but Tyree's a genius. So I'm sure he had something really good to share right there. And if Tyree, if you can hear us, maybe try to re-ask re, re that and hopefully we don't have this bug that we've been dealing with. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, perfect. All right, cool. Yeah, I was just saying that that um, you know we should definitely connect. And Patrick, I'm going to drop you a uh, a DM because uh, data marketplace is is where we are, and data privacy is where you are, and and that is again, you know, that's that's where Web three is going right now. Those are the important questions to to answer for this to hit the mainstream and to kind of you know reinvent the wheel. So you know, very excited about what you're working on. I just followed you and gonna drop you a line hopefully we can connect and and see how to how to work together on some stuff yeah no, that'd be awesome let's uh let's do it man all right so does anyone want to add anything before the show wraps up i could stay here all day i mean this has been amazing like i said i'm i'm looking forward to i i don't even know if i've ever re-listened to any of my shows because i just don't have any time to do that but i think i'm gonna have to create carve in some time and re-listen to this because it's been very educational it's been an amazing to be honest with you i'm super grateful that you guys all took the time to stop by and on your you know probably your off day to you know just educate us and inform the community about your roadmaps and what's going on and i i honestly these these shows like it's like touching to me it just makes me super grateful and the the passionate from you know the passion from all you guys that stopped by and i don't want to say guys because bridget's here too and first woman on the show so congrats on that for that and um yeah it's been it's been amazing it's just like this whole journey with cosmos for me personally has been just overwhelming it's almost emotional when i think about it because the the camaraderie and just like the break you know just everyone's just one like how, like how you guys are doing it right now you guys are just collaborating on the spot you gotta meet up link up and hopefully something great comes out of it and uh i just think that's so empowering and and if this is a a, a, um, a place for that to happen, then I'm all for it. And I'm sorry I can't talk right now. It's just it's been a been a long day, long day, long night. So, does anyone have anything to add to that? Man, I agree with you 100. Uh, the only thing you you kind of slipped up was that Carter has days off. I don't think that guy takes a break. <laughs> well, I I don't mean like no one takes a break, but you just. I get it. It's grueling to come on and, and speak and, and go over things. And you might have, you know, something that you got going on. And I, I personally, I'm just doing all the dirty work and working behind the scenes. I'm not building, but um, no, I'm, 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 I'm just I, joking I, around. I'm just joking around. No, man, he probably doesn't have any time off. I, I get it. And then if you do, especially if you have families, like Tyree said, I think he has a six month year old. So it's, it means a lot when people take time out. And I think these shows are, required because there's just so much going on i mean i spend 15 hours a day in ibc and then you know like you guys i didn't really even know all the background with all your projects going on and it's just like i appreciate it because now today 
I learned, I got a crash course basically. And I'm sure a lot of the community members did too. And now they can go, you know, they could branch off from there, go follow your discords or Twitters and, and, and learn and help hopefully share, pass the, pass the message along. I got one more question. Amir, before we end up, do you have anything to say? Go ahead, Amir. Hello. Go ahead. We can hear you. Yeah. Just to say thank you guys. And um, I don't know if this is a good place to say, but um, there's going to be a, and um, Cosmos Spaces later uh, on uh, in Spanish. So if somebody wants to connect, yeah, that's another thing. So we're trying to grow our our uh, user base because we've had a high demand in Spanish. So anyone out there that speaks Spanish or bilingual and you want to add any value to the show, we really would appreciate it. I my Spanish is um, un poco, so I mean, I just I can understand a little bit of it, but yeah, there we need to grow. Besides just English, because there's a lot of demand, especially from the Spanish speaking communities. And I think for secret, that's like the biggest niche is uh, Latinos understand privacy, I think more than anyone else, because of just maybe their culture and what they're dealing with in certain parts of the region. So I think that's a really big market that we can all help out with. So if anyone out there wants to get involved with that, please DM me. I know I've had a quite, quite a few community members do that. So we're just looking for help in any shape or form. And again, I'm so appreciative of everyone stopping by. Uh, it was amazing. So thank you so much. And if anyone has any last words before we end it, appreciate it. Thanks for hosting. A shout out to you. You've got the probably most engaging three hour Twitter spaces I've ever been on. <laughs> Appreciate that. I agree. Yeah, they usually only go two and a half, but I knew having three projects up, and especially since I didn't really know too much about uh, you guys and and, uh, Orochain, that it's been amazing. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go do a deep dive on both your projects, and and I hope uh, you you guys stay in touch and stop by. My door is always open. Even if technically the show doesn't have a shout out to you guys, you guys can always stop by. If you have a quick little update to inform the community, I'm all for that. We've, We've get guys stop by unannounced and they'll just say hey this is what we got going on and that's welcome it's not like you're shilling we just want to know updates we know you guys are so busy so if you can take 10 minutes and stop by the show and raise your hand i'll put you on and say hey this is what's going on i appreciate it yeah just uh, thanks for uh impulse just bringing me up here and i'm gonna i'm gonna step down now but thanks for having me and thanks for uh for mentioning it Gardner. 100 percent. all right everyone have a good day today and keep in touch take care Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of a two-part IBC gang Cosmos Haas space learning about three IBC projects, VDL, O-Ray, and Shade. Recorded on Sunday, March 20th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Talus. Talus Protocol is the NFT platform for independent artists on Terra. Talus helps to provide artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the NFT world. With their V1 launch coming soon, Talus will be the place to see real-world art reflected on Terra. Be sure to join their Telegram and follow Talus on Twitter for updates on their roadmap, validator, and other Talus news. Find your next favorite artist on talus.art. This episode of the Ether was also brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Follow Orbital Command on Twitter using the link in the show notes to receive regular threads on Terra protocols and yield strategies, news, resources, and Twitter space discussions. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. 
Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. This episode of the Ether was also brought to you by Luart. Luart is the first gamified NFT platform built on the Terra network. Luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience, all while earning you rewards just for being a user. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the community in the Discord server for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new NFT launches, platform upgrades, and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace. Are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more at luart.io. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit, like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls. And it reports it The latest proof ain't a way to move Change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner Finger licking like the plate is gizzle Kick it for a minute Then show me what that think it do Two plus two Show me what that think it do Two plus two Show me what that think it do Two plus two Show me what that think it do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine The latest proof ain't a way to move Change the view, just a bunch of peck of heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Plus two, show me what that think it do. Two plus two, show me what that think it do. Two plus two, show me what that think it do. Two plus two. Thank you.